With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales. Uh, so, really special edition here today. We normally talk about a lot about you know Web three, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, NFT, lots of projects. Today, we have a hardware manufacturer. Uh, Alvin is here with HTC, and Stefan and I are both really excited for this uh, because it's actually something physical and tangible. Uh, most of the things we talk about are you can't see them in the physical world if you leave a screen. And when you think about what HTC, who's been in, I, I believe, uh, the virtual reality game longer than almost anyone else, longer than Oculus, uh, I think you guys predate the Vive. I was one of the very first uh, VR headsets I had, and I had those beautiful towers uh, scattered about an entire room. And I think I broke two or three lamps uh, <laughs> running around being chased by zombies. And, and, you know, the early phases of this was really just kind of like, proof of concept like it worked and it was cool um gave you a little bit of a headache and and you know but now suddenly we have you know you guys are moving into 5k screens that are you know fractions of a size there's so many cool things and i don't want to jump too far into this other than the fact um one of the hottest spaces uh in in one of the hottest asset classes and uh alvin very nice to meet you sir yeah well thanks for inviting me jay and stefan uh, it's, uh good, good to be on your show <laughs> Fabulous. So um, let's let's start by taking a few steps back and go, you know, kind of pre-HTC, because you and I had a, a nice conversation uh, the other day, uh, and you've been around, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrencies for a while. So so let's talk, uh, you know, a little bit about how you kind of got into Web three, um, and then we'll then we'll get into the hardware stuff. Yeah. So I, actually, I've been in VR for a long time. Um, I started uh, studying and researching VR in nineteen ninety one. So. About 30 years ago, um, kind of before it became a popular thing, or maybe there was the first, the first wave of VR that kind of died down. Um, but I had studied under Tom Furness, who is the, the godfather of VR. He actually has been in it for almost 60 years. He was part of the U.S. Air Force, which was doing kind of uh, super cockpit research, and he, he helped design all of that. Uh, and then he went to uh, University of Washington to, do, uh, to start up the HIT lab, the Human Interface Technology Lab. Uh, so I was there uh, working with him on some projects related to applying VR to education. So uh, using it as an immersive, immersive education medium uh, to have a essentially a full, full brain experience for learning, right? Where most of our learning today is, you know, very uh, limited, where either you're just looking at somebody in the board in front of you or you're watching a video, uh, which doesn't give you uh, the the memories that you would get from actually doing anything. So what VR does is that it really allows you to feel like you did something, you, you, you experienced something. And that's how our brains are designed to remember uh, information. And so um, that was kind of my, my core study for uh, a number of years. And, uh, but, you know, in the meantime, nothing really much happened in VR for about 20 years. Uh, but over the last, you know, uh, six, 10 years, uh, things have really taken off. And um, so I, I have been, in the internet space, uh, in the, I actually worked with uh, with IBM doing chip design for 
what was the power PC back in the early 90s. Um, and then also with Intel uh, doing uh, uh, chip design to help them start up the, the China office for, for Intel uh, running the consumer business uh, for a market that had essentially no consumer PCs. So I actually uh, helped to drive the consumer industry for PCs in China in 1994. Um, yeah, so uh, it, there's a long story there. But, um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, since then, I've also spent a lot of time. I've, I've had four different um, uh, venture-backed startups, uh, three of them in the, the mobile space, uh, one in the artificial intelligence um, space. Um, and I joined HTC about a little over six years ago, uh, when the whole VR craze kind of started to happen. And when, uh, Vive started before they, they launched their, their first product to market. So, uh, so I've kind of seen the, this wave of, of really, uh, VR and XR, uh, taking hold in, in the industry and how it's spreading globally. And so I run the China business as well as the investment business. Uh, and uh, a lot of the software arm as well. So so I, I get to see a lot of what's going on in terms of not just what HTC is doing, but also the, you know, we've invested in over 120 companies in the last four years, uh, five years, I guess. Um, so, you know, I get a, a kind of a preview of a lot of things that are coming down the road. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that when I get to spend a lot of time with uh, entrepreneurs that are doing some exciting things. So, um yeah, so so it's it's been a, it's been a fun ride the last uh, six years, just seeing the whole wave going up, and this year or over the last twelve months, the whole metaverse uh, kind of hype or theme has really taken off and taken hold. Um, so I, I think this time, what we're going to find is that um, you know what this year is right now, and uh, you know twenty or twenty twenty one, is kind of like two thousand and six in mobile. Right. It's a year before the things the the next wave of, of the transformative products really come to come to life and really take us onto a new trajectory. So um, I think we're going to we're going to see that um, very soon. I mean, last year, I think total VR XR units last year was more than double what it was the year before. Uh, and we're going to see that kind of a trajectory for the next several years, I think, um, as uh, the, the industry really starts to or that the, the world really starts to accept the value of what uh, it is to have a, a virtual world you can go into instead of just a you know Zoom screen that you're even though we're spending our right now doing our session on a video based platform, uh, I think in a few years that's going to look very archaic. So I, I really want to take a step and 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 go back because you you have a very unique um, experience, which is you were there for the hardware launch of Web One. Uh, you were there for the, the, the reboot of Web 2, and now you sit here on the eve of Web 3. And, and what, what, you know, and again, you said it felt very, very similar. Can you talk about, you know, Web 1 and, and you know, where you feel that we are today? Um, and because and, you're, you're saying 2006 for Web 2, um, and just kind of similarities in what you're seeing in and around the industry of adoption. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when, when I started uh, in this in the industry, there was really there was no browsers, right? It was this was before the Mosaic browsers. So when the browsers came, the internet became something that was accessible to the world, uh, to to lay users. Um, you know, before you had to use FTP and you know Gopher and you know a lot of BBSs. You know, no, nobody there was there was a very one dimensional tool. You essentially get text back and forth. It was very limited uh, communication medium. 
Um, but then, uh, you know, with, with hyperlinks, with, with, with pictures, with, you know, some kind of animated GIF, you started to have, uh, something that was more interesting. It was like a two dimensional, uh, content was being pushed onto, uh, the, the web with the, the, the browser and making it essentially anybody can go anywhere with just a click. Uh, you didn't have to memorize IP addresses of anything, right? So, um, but, uh, you know, in fact, with Web 2, or I guess it's kind of the mobile internet, uh, or you can call it, I mean, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're two parallel tracks. I don't know if they're the same thing. I think there's the, the, the mobilization of the internet, and then there is the, um, uh, the, the, the user, uh, you know, generated content version. I guess both of those are considered, uh, people call them Web 2, right? Um, but I, I, I think they're, they're kind of slightly different tracks. Um, but, you know, getting, it used to be more professional generated content, whereas, you know, one website, you go there, you look at stuff. And then it became where users can contribute and, and become the content, you know, kind of all the social networks today are all that second generation stuff, because, you know, we're not just looking at stuff that Facebook made, we're looking at stuff that our neighbors, our friends, our relatives made. And that's what brings us there, not because there were some really cool news that came from you know, Facebook or Instagram, right? Um, but so I think with this next wave, we're essentially going to go from, from you know, it went from 1D to 2D and then from kind of 2D to, to user-generated. Now we're going to go from uh, 2D user-generated to uh, 3D and immersive, right? So I think that's really where, where the world is going on the next phase, where this new metaverse world is, is that you're going to be, not just you know seeing somebody's feet where you see a picture of their kid, you may actually go and you know be in their living room and watch their kids have their first steps, right? Or you could go to a concert and you know you're not there, but your friends there and they can stream this 360 experience to you, and you feel like you're in the first row of that concert, right? So it, it could be something that is people generating for you, but it could also be professionally generated content that now you're instead of you know, going to class by going to a classroom and, and seeing somebody in the whiteboard, uh, you can actually go and live history. You can go back and, and see what it was like at the pyramids when it was being built. You could go, uh, you know, to see Socrates teach, you know, I, it just, those are kind of experiences that, that will be transformational in terms of how information is going to be distributed um, to people and, and, and also create new forms of both entertainment, education, and also new forms of, of uh, careers, right? New, new ways of working. Um, <clears throat> right now, we're pretty much limited in terms of uh, working where our city is, where our company is, right? And in the, in the near future, it doesn't matter where your labor force is, everybody can put on this headset and you feel like you're around the same table. You have that team camaraderie that everybody's been, you know, uh, looking for physically, but, you know, and we're kind of missing uh, on this, on the video, uh, you know, kind of the Zoom fatigue that we've been suffering for the last two years. But when you put on a headset and you start seeing people next to you and you start being able to see their, their um, nonverbal movements, being able to, to go over and pat them on the back and, and, you know, that kind of stuff, shake hands, you know, just even a high five, right? That kind of stuff, um, brings you closer and makes you part of that same team. 
and and no matter where you are, now you actually feel like you're together and you can be as productive. In fact, we've done studies that show you can be more productive in a virtual environment than you are in physically together. In fact, um, because when you're physically together, there's a lot more hierarchy. Uh, people are afraid to offend or you know, they want to you know, respect the rank of the person. They don't speak. They don't participate. They just let the, the, the higher rank person talk. But when they're virtual, they actually are more open, more willing to talk and give their opinions, which means more views get come out in, in discussions, which means that better ideas get uh, you know, elevated. So um, <clears throat> there, there's just a, a, so much excitement, I, I think, that, that, that I have for this this new way, because I, I think it's going to change the way we perceive um, our relationship with each other and our relationship with machines and our relationship with the world around us, right? It's going to essentially remove geographic borders that, that we've had and political borders, right? It's going to allow people who have in the past have never really wanted to talk to each other or maybe doesn't have the chance or don't have the, the means to, to, to be together, to, to spend time and quality time together to understand each other. And that's how you get rid of conflict, right? You, you, people have conflict because they don't understand each other. When you go and spend, you know, six months a year living somewhere and you understand the culture, there's no way you're going to feel like you want to attack that country or you want to say bad things about it. You want to, you know, help create bonds between cultures once you understand both sides. Um, I think that's something that this, this technology will allow us to do. Um, one, I think one thing that, that maybe is on a, t a tangential side is that I think it's actually going to help one of the biggest issues we have right now facing our, the world is the, the climate issues. Um, you know, there's so much extra carbon being put into the world because of how much commuting we do, how much flying we do, how much goods we buy that we don't need. If we start having to if start being able to, to eliminate business travel, if we, you know, have can, can take away maybe a half, a third, you know, a tenth uh, or whatever of your, of your daily commute. That's real reduction in terms of how much carbon we're putting into the world. And if you do that, that means you actually need less offices. If you don't go to the office, why do you need offices? That means we're going to need to build less buildings. In fact, construction accounts for about 30 or 40% of, of carbon emissions. Transportation accounts for about 30% of emissions. So if we just have those two things, uh, we're, you know, essentially dramatically reducing our, our carbon footprint uh, on this world. And, you know, and in fact, if we don't have as much driving, we don't need as much parking lots. We don't need as much roads. You know, in fact, you know, do we need as much clothes if we're not going out and trying to show off how, how, you know, trendy we are? Right? I mean, do we need all these gadgets that we have, all the things that we buy that we, you know, may only use once? So I think we can actually start living a, a much more, uh, sustainable lifestyle by allowing us to to be wherever we want to be instantly uh, and have the experience that you have, um, you know, without all the cost and without all the damage you do to the, the world. I, I love the idea like of the NFT use case <clears throat> effectively of reducing consumption because look, luxury goods shift mm -hmm. to be a digital luxury good. And mm -hmm. so instead of having eight cars, uh, all of which are obviously, I mean, even if the cars burn, even if they're electric, right? Just making them is a lot of carbon, right? If I just have one car and eight punks and I just brag that way, 
That's kind of a actually. I, that's may, might be my favorite NFT use case I've heard so far. That that's actually a pretty cool thought as to the the idea of do we shift consumption to a digital good instead of just having more things. Yeah, I, I, the world will definitely move more and more to you know digitalizing your your life, uh, and and I think you can actually be as happy. In fact, you probably can be more happy um, in in a place where you buy less. It sounds a little bit uh, counterintuitive um, because at the end of the day, um, you know, I think when we buy something, the, 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 the happiness it brings us is very temporary. You know, within a month, whatever happiness you have from buying that nice car or that nice flat screen or whatever, uh, or, you know, it, it goes away, right? And so, but it's still taking up that space. It still took out that, all that resources to create. Um, but if we can, you know, more use experiences as a way where we bring happiness, because honestly, that's the one thing that right now rich people and, you know, average person can't do is, you know, not everybody can go and fly into space for 10 minutes. Like, you know, uh, I guess uh, William Shatner did that, you know, he spent $20 million for it. Um, but, you know, if you put on a headset, you can go fly in there and you can live on the space station for a month for free, Right. And, and, you know, or if you want to go dive, you know, to the, 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 the lowest of the Marianas trenches, who can do that unless you have some, you know, super, you know, expensive submarine that you can go down there because you can't even go down there in, in person. But, but now you put on a headset and you can go down and you can feel like you were there and you can see that the, the, the little animals that were down there and, and feel what it's like to, to, to experience things that very few people in the world can do. And, and that, creates an egalitarian, more egalitarian society than I think we, we will ever have had in the past, right? Yeah, because anybody can do essentially anything that anybody else could do. The, the thoughts around education, and, and to be honest, I, I really appreciate, you know, the fact that you're talking so much about green. Um, you know, we, we've seen Bitcoin and, and, pr and proof of work be attacked so heavily uh, over not being green or whatever the case is. And I, I, I always laugh and I'm like, well, what do you think it takes to build the banks and for all the people to drive there every day and for all the, you know, the money that's being printed and, you know, compared to like, yeah, I, I get it, it's, it's burning uh, some electricity, but, you know, the, more, the greener, the greener the mining is, the better it's going to be. And, and, and what you're saying here now and, and Web3, which to me, Web3 is community. You know, Web3 is, is not a technology anymore. It's, it's the connection of people. And the holy grail uh, is, is kind of to live in that, that virtual world, that virtual metaverse. Before we get into to what you guys have today, what is that holy grail? What is like the, like since the, since the mid nineties when you were doing this, what is it? Is it that Black Mirror episode where we just put a little thing on our forehead and we, you know, live in our brain or does it have to be optical? Um, so I think the, the long, the, the really long-term future is something that would probably be a direct brain interface, right? Um, which is probably going to be more like the matrix, <laughs> which I don't think a lot of people are looking forward to. Um, but, but I, I think in the near term, something on, on your face on as a glasses is probably the most uh, likely scenario for the, you know, the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. Uh, there are, you know, there are already contact lenses that are, I, I've tried it and actually you can, you know, in the size of a contact lens, you could see a pretty high resolution display. 
uh, and it doesn't require wires, right? And so that stuff is available. It's going to take a while to get it to a cost that people can afford. It's going to take a while to get, you know, the, 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 the power transfer to happen in a way where it does not damage your eye while it's, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's being charged. There's a lot of, there's a lot of technical issues, but we're going to go through phases where essentially you're, you, you know, you're going to go from right now us having about, you know, 10 different gadgets or screens in our lives. Uh, into less and less screens because the more you spend time in your, uh, the, the devices on your head, the less you will need to have this laptop screen I have in front of you, in front of me, or a phone screen, uh, or a TV screen because I can create a virtual screen anywhere, right? So our screens will going to come down and down. Um, and at the end of the day, we're going to get to the, the ultimate experience will be essentially what we've been doing the entire history of, of humans, which is dreaming, right? We can dream and travel somewhere and be with somebody and feel like we're there and we don't know the difference, right? That, that's, it's kind of funny is that the, the most advanced we can get is to, to, to do something that we've always had. Uh, the only difference is your dream right now is something that your brain takes you on this trip and you have no way to control it. Maybe some people do, but most people don't have a way to control it. Whereas in, in this future long-term uh, destination of what, you know, the metaverse or, or XR experience will bring you, um, is essentially a completely managed, uh, lucid dream that you can, you can go where you want to go. You can do what you want to do. You can experience what you want to experience. You can be with other people and do a shared dream experience, right? That's the other thing is, is being able to do it together. Right now, when you dream, you do it you're, as a one person. But when you can share it with your family or with, you know, a thousand people or maybe a million people at a virtual concert, right? Um, that's, that's the kind of thing that um, I, I think is quite exciting is that, you know, we're, we're going to have the, the, the most full sensory experience that we can have uh, with the least amount of, of uh, carbon footprint that we, we could imagine. So, so we are less of Ready Player One and more Total Total Recall. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on which part of Total Recall. Total Recall, <laughs> there's a few different sides of it. But um, I, I think at, at some point, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would I would not want to say that we will be in a virtual world twenty four seven. I think most people will probably spend as much time in there as they do going to work today. So they will probably spend a third of their time sleeping, a third of their time in the real world where they're off of the grid, uh, hopefully, uh, or maybe, you know, they're on, but they're not really, they're, they're more seeing the real world. And then a third of their time uh, in, you know, their virtual office or, you know, their virtual trip or whatever, right? Um, I mean, right now, my average daily screen time is probably eight to 10 hours, right? Um, it, I, with, with a headset? No, no. Well, well headset. Okay. I, I probably spend about an hour a day in a headset right now. I, okay. I, I don't think that we're, the content's not there, and the and the, the form factors are not there yet. But uh, I'm talking about uh, just total screen time of phone, PC. Uh, I don't watch TV, so if I did, I guess it'd be longer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, I, I think that type of screen time we will transition to something that's on your head, right? And uh, you know, very soon it'll be something in your eyes, and then soon after that it'll be a chip in your head, right? So. Uh, it will go through that that kind of transition uh, over the next twenty to fifty years. Really, mm. so um, I, I, there's a number of of really interesting nuggets that you just threw out there. And from a 
practical side of where we're at today, um, what's missing? What, what's, what's the, you know, to get the iPod out, it took the, the battery, the screen, and this little mini hard drive. And clearly, you know, HTC has a number of, uh, of technologies that, that are available. They can invent or they can do it. But what's the thing that's just missing today that, that's causing a, a little bit of a holdup? Um, honestly, we're actually a lot closer than a lot of people think to a, a uh, pretty um, usable minimum viable product for this type of lifestyle. In fact, just last year, we, at the end of the year, we just launched a new product called the Vive Flow. I don't know if you saw that, but it's essentially sunglasses form factor, six degrees of freedom VR device, right? So you, it's for 180 grams. Uh, you have, you know, a, a, a full Snapdragon chip. You have memory. You have a little fan system. You have two high resolution displays. You have pancake lenses. Um, and essentially you put it on as like, like your glasses. Um, that type of a form factor, actually, I can wear that for hours and not feel sick. Like, you know, you were saying that, you know, in the early days of, of VR and, and, you know, that was, it was even worse when I started. Um, <laughs> so, I think if we if we have that kind of form factor and maybe just a little bit lighter, a little bit smaller, um, I think for the next five or ten years that could be actually already there, right? Um, one thing we could help it could help is to uh, start getting the cloud rendering and cloud streaming capabilities on. Uh, in fact, just today we just announced at CES that we're uh, working with Lumen on some five G uh, cloud rendering uh, demonstrations, right? Um, so. That technology is already already being piloted, uh, and five G networks are being you know kind of uh, I guess put out and and, and um, uh, put into into operation around the world already. So now if we just now turn use those type of networks, which has super late low low latency, which is what's needed for you to do cloud streaming, cloud rendering. So it's not you're not depending on a mobile chip to do your processing. You're doing it on some high-end, you know, NVIDIA GPU or something, and then streaming it over a very low latency network. Then you can get super high fidelity, super uh, fast responses and lightweight. And then, you know, if we can get battery technology a little bit better, uh, I think that's, that's one of the areas that hasn't improved as much. If you look at, you know, the Moore's law has been uh, doing great on the chip side, you know, the, 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 the network speeds have been, you know, just going gangbusters. But the battery technology has been going up one to five percent a year or something, some very low single digit numbers in terms of, of efficiency. If we can get that to go up a little bit more, uh, I think then then we can get the devices to be even smaller because a lot of the weight right now, probably a third to sometimes a half of the weight of these standalone devices are the batteries. Right. Um, and if we can get them to charge faster, to have higher higher uh, capacity, and then you know put them into the, just the frames of the glasses, boom, you're you're almost there, right? So so I, I'm I actually I, I don't think hardware is really the, the limitation. Um, I, I think that the, the the bigger limitation is really um, user awareness of the benefits, and then also content creation, right? Uh, if we get a few more pieces of content, there's there's always you know some kind of a killer application or use case that drives a new medium to happen, right? For, for the PC, it was, you know, word processors and, and, and Lotus one, two, three, you know, you know, and for, for, uh, I guess the, you know, the, the, uh, Nintendo, it was, you know, Mario brothers, right. For the, the consoles. Right. And then for, 
the, the for cell phones initially it actually was was uh, you know uh, audio but then later text text messaging was what made, made cell phones you know very you know, popular all of a sudden so but now with with an iPhone it was really the kind of the mobile internet right it was uh, the, the apps and the the the, the, the mobile web uh, that allowed that to to take off so what we need to do now is to find you know what what is the use case that will make people want to use it every day Right. That, that's what I've been challenging my team on a lot is, is, you know, let's find these daily use cases, things, you know, people talk about the toothbrush uh, test, right? If you can, if it's something that you use as much as your toothbrush, it becomes a habit, it will become ingrained in, in your daily life. So while I've got you and you're a hardware guy, and you'll actually be able to explain this, when we look around the world today, what what's the resolution that our eyes are seeing and what's the actual like field of view of like a normal, you know, 2020 yeah. person. So uh, supposedly the theoretical limit is about uh, 10K per eye, right? Um, which, you know, so we're, we're at like 5K, it's 5K for two eyes. So we're, we're not that far away, honestly. Uh, and that, that 10K per eye resolution is only in the, the middle five degrees, right? Outside of the five degrees, your, your, your vision sucks. It just, it goes down dramatically. So it's really, uh, if you think about, if you look at your eyes and then you think about, can I see what's around me? Everything else is really blurred. I can see some colors and shapes, but I can't see the detail. I can only see what's in front of me. Just that, that little, about this much of your, of your uh, visual field is at 10K, right? So there's already a, a company called Vario. Um, they're a European startup that makes these, you know, $10,000 devices that has a, a middle section that is the same resolution as your eyes, uh, um, acuity. But then the rest of it is more using, uh, they essentially have two, two displays, one super high resolution, very tiny display, uh, on, right in front of a larger normal size display with, with normal resolution. Uh, and, but, you know, but because of this, this, uh, the, the engineering for it, it's, it's super expensive, but that's already doable. Right, so we can already today create retina resolution experiences. Um, not everybody can afford it. You know, just like when the first cell phones came out, they were you know ten, twenty thousand dollars, and you put them in your car, and you had to have it installed, and then later it became a, a, a brick, you know, that that you had to bring around, and then now you have you know devices that everybody can buy for you know almost nothing, or get you get for free from your from your carrier. Question on that. How, okay, if I say, hey, you can build a $100,000 version of Vive, right? Like, how yeah. awesome can you make it? Like, can you actually, like, are we already there? It's just not affordable? Or it's just, it, like, literally is not, in fact, possible right now? If budget was not, a cons- per unit, uh, like, metrics was not a budget, like, an issue. Well, I, I think there's the cost, there's the, the uh, size, and kind of there's the, the portability issues, right? So you, it's kind of the com- combination of it. Um, you know, the, 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 the $10,000 device I was telling you about, that, that people, when they wear that, they're like, wow, this, this, this shows me the future where it can be. But if, you know, it's a clunky device that has two wires connected to a giant, you know, uh, GPU, uh, you know, dual GPU type of system for it to really be running fully. Um, and, you know, you're not going to be running around with it, right? Um, but it's, it's still, cost is, is, is not the issue. Um, but getting it, all the combination to work, right? It has to be small enough. It has to be cheap enough. And it has to be super high, um, you know, um, fidelity. The combination of that uh, is, is actually the, the hard things, right? 
You know, so I mean, you know, we we could we could fly to the the moon or the, to Mars if you have enough money, but uh, you know, you can only take about you know a thousand pounds of goods to Mars right now, even if you had a trillion dollars. Right. So it's it's um so it's not just a money issue. Okay, so we're definitely still at the phase where interesting. Cool. Sorry, go ahead, Jay. So so now now on that. So let's say that you're we've got we've got it solved. We've got 10k per eye, and and it's it's in a nice device. What what does it even take to capture real world? Um, so if I say, hey, and, and I, you know, I, I bought a bunch of the GoPros and, and VR cameras over the years, um, and we actually, one of our companies does VR scanning the buildings. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's scanning things in, you know, five, 5K, 6K, 7K, and then you put on any level of goggles and you look around and it's just pixelated garbage. What, what resolution would you even have to capture these in to create that level of experience? So, so I guess there's different kind of captures. There's just, uh, there's video capture. So the problem with, with video capture is that, you know, even though you say, oh, it's a 5K capture, but it's 5K spread across 360 degrees, right? And whenever you're viewing it, you're viewing it at 100, 100 degrees, 110 degrees when you put on the headset. So you're only seeing a third of that. So you're really seeing 1K uh, out of that 5K. Right. So that's, that's why you're saying, hey, why is it 5K and it still sucks in resolution? But it's because I can look around and, and it's, it's capturing up and down and, 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 you know, to the side. So any one time you're only getting about one fifth of what's been captured. Now, what, what things are now going to is people are actually more, uh, doing either a scanning of, of the, the environments around them and then using, uh, computer generated graphics to regenerate the experience. Right. And that can, you can get to, to much higher resolutions, or you can just completely have full vector graphics that were, was, uh, not even scanned at all. Right. Cause you can scan it and put stuff, put, put textures on top of it or to do enhancements to it to make it even more real. And I can zoom in and in into these experiences. So, so I, I don't think, um, using the old video capture as a way is the right way. There's also something called light field, um, cameras that, you know, essentially you get a hundred different cameras and then you, you um, capture, and these are like terabytes per second. It's, it's just crazy kind of, of, of bandwidth needed to do it. Uh, and it allows you essentially to move around the space and feel that full parallax of having the two eyes and, and really feel like, wow, you're really there. But it's, it's not very practical because you know, both the cost of the cameras and the cost of the medium just makes it not, you're not able to distribute content that way. All right. So I, I think that the future of where most people's experiences uh, for high fidelity experiences will be, it would be completely um, uh, computer generated. So you have, you know, the Unreal Engine right now that essentially all the movies in the in, uh, sci-fi movies are, they're all made in, in, in these game engines, right? They're, so so if, they, if they're good enough to, to get you to feel like you, you're an Avenger or, or you're, you know, uh, uh, in, in whatever time, right? They're good enough to, to give you that same feeling when you're in VR. And now most of those engines can do this in real time, right? That's the thing. A lot of the, the movies they're doing it in the past, they would spend hours to do a one frame, hours to do one frame, and you need these giant workstations. Now, just with a normal computer, uh, with, you know, a decent GPU, you can render real time, high resolution, completely real time graphics that are generated, you know, based on your activity. So, so if you, you know, threw a rock and that rock busts into a thousand pieces, that's being generated and, and, and simulated in real time. It's not something that was, you know, filmed and then just re, 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 uh, I guess, broadcast. So, so 
and, and, and I think, so this is really interesting because, you know, I've always been waiting for like to stand on, to stand on the top of a volcano mm-hmm. with some, that, and someone just put a camera there or, or flew a drone or whatever the case is. And, and what you're saying is like, what we're probably going to see is the most engaging content is going to be video games or movies where it's entirely, you know, 3d rendered uh, environments yeah, to have the I, highest resolution. Because when you when you're completely rendered, I can zoom in to as far as I want to the atom level, and I can simulate it, and it would still look the same resolution, right? If you filmed it, as soon as you zoom in, you know, more than five x, ten x, it gets pixelated. There's just no way, right? But if but if it's computer, everything is computer generated, and and I have the model of what the, what that material is, and and maybe even what the subatomic structure is, I could. I could zoom down to the atomic level and see what what does it look like in inside a diamond, right? Or or inside a rock or whatever inside some some animal, right? It's just uh, that that that's the level that you know when you in the real world if you have something and you break it apart, you 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 know you can see what's inside. If you're taking a video, there's no way to to break it apart and then see all the details inside, right? So having having the ability to to uh, to generate the content in real time is really key to, to giving you uh, that full fidelity experience, and and also because it's it's responsive to what you're doing, you're going to feel like you're there. You're not just watching. Right like today, the media that we most of what we consume is actually just watching. It's a one way communication, right? Whereas in the future metaverse experience, everything is an experience. Everything is something that you interact with. And having the interaction will, will just add so much more realism and so much more, um, I guess, interest to, to everybody around you, right? Uh, to, to everybody who, who's, who's, who's using it. You know? So it's, it's um, you know, people talking about the empathy machine, you know, VR being an empathy machine. So if you want to understand somebody, you, you know, you get face to face with them and you hear them tell their story and you, and you see, you know, all the, the environment around them as they're doing that. That's very different than you just watching a, a 2D video where you feel like I, I'm, I'm distant from them. I'm not with them. Right. Um, so, you know, just creating connections, understanding, learning, you know, and any subject you want to, you're going to learn better. You're going to be more interested in, especially for kids these days. I mean, their attention span is, is you know, like a goldfish. Like most, <laughs> most adults too, I guess. But if you can't engage them in some way where they're doing something that changes the environment, they're going to lose attention and think about something else, right? Um, so, so I think this is something where you can teach the most complex, what we used to consider the most boring subjects in a way that makes it super enticing. Let's talk about what HTC uh, and 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 what you are kind of working on today, and what's what's available um, in the market because you do have a number of of really amazing products that have evolved since kind of Vive One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a number of competitors that are that are out in the market, but you know I I still again it's a personal thesis. I, I I've always said Vive is is at the you know most forward thinking. Um, you know, if it's available, it seems like you guys throw it in there and say, hey, we'll charge for it if you want it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, I think that that's our, our, our philosophy is that, uh, if we put our brand on it, it, it has to represent kind of the best in class of what's in the market today. Um, and you know, there, there are some companies out there who are saying, Hey, 
you know, we're, we want to just subsidize and get the price down and we want to get as many people in it because our business model is to get people's information. Um, whereas for, for us, you know, our, our focus is how can we give people a, a truly amazing XR experience that makes them want to come back and makes them want to keep using uh, this technology. Um, and, you know, right now, essentially, the, the, the best uh, professional level device out there is called the Vipro, the Vipro 2. It's something that we, uh, we, you know, we were the first one with six degrees of freedom uh, devices where both your hands and your, your head were both six degrees of freedom. What that means is that you can walk around the entire room and you can see your hands and you can interact that way. And then when we had that, Oculus was using a, um, uh, an Xbox controller. Right. So they were, you know, you were using a controller to move with your, your knobs on the joystick uh, to move around and your head can move around, but you're sitting essentially in front of, in front of a desk. And because they had a little camera that was on your desk that, that, that tracked your, your, your head. You know, at that, when, when they had that, we had the ability to walk around the entire room that was a, you know, 30 foot by 30 foot room to, to do that full experience. You know, we were the first one to do standalones where you don't have to connect to a PC. Um, and, and have six degrees of freedom on that ability to move around. You know, we're, we were the first one to do professional level. So the Vive Pro was the first pro level. You know, we were the first one to do full body tracking. We had the Vive Tracker that we put on your arms and your, your legs, your, 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 you know, on your torso so you can do full body tracking. Uh, people are actually making movies, uh, doing mocap using our devices instead of these, you know, $100,000 mocap systems. You know, you could get this done for a couple thousand dollars or less. Right. So it just, it's, it's, uh, essentially pretty much every major innovation in the industry that's happened in the last, uh, six years has really been, we've been the first to, to bring that to market, you know, face tracking, uh, wireless for, for PC streaming. So from PCs rendering, streaming in real time to a, a, a wireless device, you know, we were the first one to do that. Uh, and of course, just last month, we, we were the first one to do the uh, glasses form factor with pancake systems. So, uh, you know, at, at every step, we want to be the first one out to market because we feel like innovation is really core, uh, part of our, of our kind of, uh, our DNA, our, 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 uh, our tradition, right? And, and, you know, when HCC actually started as a, as a phone company, I'm sure you guys know that, but, you know, the first, the first touchscreen phone was HCC. The first, um, uh, dual camera phone was HCC. Uh, the first, uh, Windows mobile phone was HCC. The first Android phone was HCC. You know, the, the, the first metal case phone was HCC, right? So just, uh, the first uh, 3G and 4G phones were HCC, right? So, so it, 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 with the innovation, the history of innovation we've had in the, uh, in the telecom space, we've essentially brought it to, uh, the, the XR space. And so now we have three, three lines of product that, um, the, the Pro 2, which is our, you know, high end professionals that are connected to a PC. We have the Focus 3, which is our device that is a standalone. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of people are using it for training, for, for, um, <clears throat> for, uh, for simulations, for, for meetings and events, you know, and then we have the, the Vive Flow, which is our uh, kind of lighter lifestyle product. Uh, more for uh, content consumption, for meditation, for education, for meeting, meetings and, um, uh, events participation, you know, uh, so, and, and they all have their, uh, you know, their kind of, uh, advantages and drawbacks, right? Um, but, 
essentially in their class, uh, we represent right now the best in class of, of whatever uh, class that we have our products in. Uh, as you say, you know, we're not the cheapest, but, but we, we definitely uh, will make sure that when people use it, uh, they will have a, a very wow experience. So, and I've been, uh, you know, kind of playing around on, on the website while you've been talking, looking at these and, you know, the, the flow and it looks like the, the focus three are both, you know, the, the wireless, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to use cameras or whatever it is to kind of figure out where the room is. Yeah. Uh, but as you said, the, the pro two is, is using the, uh, what are they called? Light towers? Uh, lighthouse. Yeah. Lighthouse. So it's, it's a lighthouse laser tracking, um, and and the, the the benefit of that is that it gives you you know essentially sub millimeter precision. So if you're a, a designer or engineer and you want to be able to, to exactly move a certain thing to a certain place and see things exactly right and have five people all share the same space and see the same thing, then then that laser tracking is really the way to go, right? <clears throat> Whereas you know if you just want the convenience of not having cables, then the other devices. Uh, are, are going to be a little bit less precise, but it's much more convenient and easier to set up. Uh, so it's it's really a trade-off of, of depending on the needs of the users. So in the lighthouse mode, and where you're literally, you know, we we were stepping away from the desk. We're not in a lounge chair. Um, you know, the Vive Two is meant to be like out in an open space, moving and jumping and, and moving around quite a bit. What where's the technology on kind of the the treadmills or the ability to kind of run and move and, and feel like you're 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 moving? Quite oh, yeah, I mean there, there there's been treadmills for a long time uh, and they work okay. Um, I guess you know it's it's pretty much what uh, the whole Ready Player One uh, movie they had that treadmill experience. Um, I, I think that's actually you know there are devices that that look and feel actually were based on some of the same technologies. So they, they did a little bit of kind of real time research, but it's, I don't think they were. This is supposed to be you know twenty years from now, uh, but they were using technology that's available today. So so the the, the the form factors and the and some of the technology they had. In fact, even the the full body suits are things that are available today. So if you want, you can you can get a full body haptic suit. You know, face tracking, eye tracking, you know, uh, brain computer interface, all of that's available. We, we I invest in the company. Uh, that already had, you know, three years ago, brain computer interfaces that can, you, know, you can control things that are on your screen by thinking about it. <laughs> so, so that, that stuff is, is available. Right? And, and, I, you know, I will, uh, I'll, I'll <clears throat> send you my address, uh, so they can send a demo unit here and we're happy to, happy to play with it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it sounds like you're, uh, you're geeking out as much as I do. So yeah, this, this stuff is exciting. I mean, you know, we, we have companies who you can get temperature, uh, right? So if you feel something, you touch something, it gets warm. Uh, or there are ones, there are now devices, gloves that are haptic gloves that, that, uh, you know, will mimic a spider walking on your hands. Right. It's just, uh, there, there's the technology out there, really a lot of, you know, what Stefan was saying is true. A lot of what's out there is already there. It's just not necessarily uh, maybe price uh, accessible to a lot of people. Um, but the good thing about innovation technology field is that we're always going forward and the prices are always coming down. They're always getting smaller. They're always getting cheaper. They're always getting faster. So um, I, I really don't have a lot of um, concern in terms of, of long-term 
uh, trajectory of where this technology is going. Uh, how many of your meetings are you using this for? Like, are you using this for meetings at all? Is all your yeah. internal stuff like all in VR? Like, how, how far along are you on that? Yeah, I mean, we we actually force our teams to do the dog food thing. So we eat our own dog food and we we, we use our own products for a lot of our internal meetings. Uh, for the last year, year and a half, every one of our major, uh, you know, to the public conferences that we've had, including our, our yearly developer conferences, everything, we've done it in VR, right? So a lot of people, they do it in video, but we do it in VR. And, and you go in and everybody's in there in a 3D environment. You know, even if you don't have a VR headset, you can still join in VR by uh, by using a, a PC or a phone and then moving around your, your personal avatar. Right. So, so you're more like you feel like you're playing a 3D video game, but but at least you feel like you have presence in that space and you have agency and ability to move around where you want to. And in fact, you can go and walk up to somebody at a thousand person event and talk to them as you do right now. If I went to CES, I would go and find friends and have side side chats. In fact, I feel like the 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 the, the hallway chats I get at major events are more valuable than what I get from listening to people on stage. Because everybody on stage says the same stuff that you've heard them say, you know, a thousand times. But the stuff that you hear face to face with somebody in the hallway, that's the real stuff. Right. So you get that experience. And, you know, at our last uh, at the flow launch, I remember I was uh, after I did the event, I was taking a break on, on the lower floor of our space to kind of get away from, from things a little bit. And then people came up to me and was like, oh, Alvin, I'm glad you're here. And they started talking to me. It's like, oh, this, this is like a real event where after you're speaking, you're trying to get away and people come talk to you. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's the same. It just really, it feels you can, you can really very much simulate what you, what you have in the real world in terms of a social experience. Uh, and and we are definitely. But like you can do that, or if I want to say, hey, all of my company's meetings are now VR. Like that's like an easy. I can set that up in you, a day and get everyone you, like a five hundred dollar headset. Like how yep. far? Like where is it? You can. In fact, uh, last year, um, Accenture, one of our partners, they uh, bought sixty thousand devices to onboard their new new employees. Right? I mean, think about this. Right? Any any employees that's been hired in the last year by any Fortune five hundred company has not gone to the office. They had probably never met any one of their colleagues, right? How do you how do you develop camaraderie with them? How do you develop teamwork if you've never met people face to face? So uh, having a virtual experience where you're you know letting everybody do their their morning you know Monday morning standups or their weekly meetings or their one on ones to do that face to face experience, uh, I, I think it's it's uh, it definitely adds a lot of value. And you know a lot of times I I, I used to like to. Uh, take walks with my, my staff when I'm doing some one-on-one instead of just having a across the desk experience because you just feel a little bit you know closer. You're more open to, to more free to, to express yourself. Um, and you can do that in VR, right? Everybody's in their own headset, in their own room, but you could be on Mars, you know, taking a walk on Mars and then talking about next year's plans, right? Or you're, you're in front of a beach and, and you're talking, trying to get inspiration from a, a, a brainstorming, right? Absolutely uh, possible today. So which device do I buy to do that? I'm just because I have to try that. <laughs> um, which one of yours is like, you know, no, get that one. That one is the good like combination between price and like convenience to actually do that. Yeah. So, so I think if you want something that is, is multi-purpose and is relatively easy, I think the Focus 3 is probably the, the, the best product out there today. It's, it's the, it's the, highest uh, spec standalone uh, in the world right now, 
right? Um, it's got 5K, 5K display, it's 120 degrees field of view, you know, swappable batteries. Uh, today we just launched um, uh, wrist tracking uh, uh, tracker systems so that you can have your hands free, you don't have to be holding tra uh, controllers. Uh, and you can track it anywhere, anywhere, even behind your back, you can track it. <laughs> so, um, you know, so, so this, this, this device, I, I think in, in, you know, all of, pretty much all this uh, content uh, on the standalones will run on it, as well as it can do wireless streaming using your existing Wi-Fi to your PC. So, so you could do processing on the PC, stream it to this device and get, you know, the, the high fidelity gaming you experience you want, uh, without any wires. Right. So, so this, this is, this is the device I would recommend if, if, you know, uh, you have the budget for it. I mean, it's not cheap. It's about $1,000. Um, but what you get from it is, uh, what you get from it is definitely, uh, you know, you won't need any other device. Awesome. I'll have to try it for the company too. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's fabulous. And, and what I just love as I was going through this, as you guys have realized, just put the fan in there because sweating in these things is no fun yeah. for anyone. Yeah. So, so in fact, the fan in there draws air from your face so that if you're doing some exercise or, you know, some sports, virtual sports, you, it doesn't fog up your, your, your lenses. Right. So it, you can see that it's actually, it's just talks about staying cool. So it, it, the fan draws from your face and, and pushes it out on both sides <laughs> instead of just having, you know, all this electronics in front of you. That's fabulous. Um, so jumping over to, uh, and I got, we got one more device I want to talk about before we move on to the next segment and only because we're, we are a relative crypto show, mm -hmm. um, blockchain phone. Yes. Are, you able, are you able to talk about this, this guy? Sure, sure. So we, we were actually the first guys in the world, the first company in the world to launch uh, commercial blockchain phones uh, like three years ago. Um, and, you know, hard, hard code wallets inside these phones that are protected uh, so people can't hack into your, your, uh, your wallet. I think that that's actually, in fact, when we first sold it, you could only buy it with Bitcoin. So it was definitely made for that community. Um, and the funny thing is we, we've actually, when we first made it, it was kind of, there was a, more of a, a project of love by one of our, um, team leaders. Um, but, uh, because of the, of the, the, uh, Bitcoin prices going up, we actually became very profitable. <laughs> the, 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 that product was, became a very profitable, profitable product for us, even though, uh, it wasn't intended to be. So. Uh, which is kind of a, a nice side effect, I guess. Um, but I guess, it, you know, if, if you started early with uh, Bitcoin three or four years ago, I'm, I'm sure you're all doing well, so, or, or 10 or 12 years ago. So, so your, your goal on this is to eliminate these, these ledger devices, these, mm -hmm. you know, the, the little, the little deal. And, and to be clear, I'd, I'd much prefer it to be in my phone than to have all these little things I run around with constantly. Yeah. Um, you know, user interface and all sorts of things, but it's, a, it, the difference is this isn't, that's an actual hardware wallet. You guys are running an entire, you've built an entire chip in the phone that's separate from the normal phone chip, correct? So it's actually a, a special secure area of the, the chip, uh, of the, um, the central processor that is, is segregated from uh, the rest of the processing. So, so it is uh, something that is, is hardware secure uh, that is built into um, the, the phone itself. Um, but we, in fact, we could, we could probably also license this technology to other hardware manufacturers to enable them to have that same capability. And it, and it's running an entire Bitcoin node. 
Yeah. Which is, which is really, you know, again, 5G and everything else you're trying to do. That's just fabulous to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're, like I said, we're, we're ahead of the game in a lot of areas. Um, you know, but, uh, I, I, I think we, we just need to be recognized for it so that we can scale to, uh, to what we deserve to be. Fabulous. And, and that technology, and again, just being in your, your company's ecosystem, you know, clearly we're, we're talking more about kind of the metaverse and, and visual, but, um, you know, when you talk about web three, cryptocurrencies are, you know, right there. So having that in, in your portfolio that you can use in your heads up displays, mm-hmm. um, is, is I'm sure something that you guys have, have talked about in, in more than one meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're really looking to create the infrastructure platform to support the full next generation metaverse, including, you know, the kind of the, some of the decentralized capabilities, decentralized capabilities. Um, and, and having NFTs are going to be more and more important, not just for collecting art or you know, trading and speculating, but also just for the functionality of being able to take your virtual assets across virtual worlds. Right, right now, when you go to Roblox and you buy Robux or you go to Fortnite and you put in your, your, your deposits, they stay in their world. There's no way to exchange that value. If I bought something in one world, I can't go to another world with it. So you need some kind of a mechanism that, uh, that is recognized by, by all of these independent worlds. Uh, of what your rights are, what your assets are, what your what value you have, right? So, so I think I think there's there's definitely um, a, a need for some kind of mechanism to do that. Now, which blockchain it will be, you know, who who will win at the end? Who knows? I, I don't know, right? Um, but I, I think that the, the the base technology uh, definitely has value in that space, uh, far beyond just the, the the art speculation that a lot of people are using NFTs for. I completely agree with that. So actually, we had this problem before. Like, can we do these like uh, interviews in there? Is there a yeah. decent software that lets us do that? Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, we invest in a company called uh, um, Engage. So actually, the product's called Engage. Um, we huh. we've, we've been doing our events in them. Uh, if you're just doing small chats of twenty to thirty people, we actually make a product called Sync that comes directly with the product. We'll give it to you for free. Uh, but you know, for twenty yeah. to thirty person meetings. But if you want to do events of a thousand people or a hundred thousand people, uh, Engage can allow you to do that. We can do pre-production, uh, you know, pre-record an entire you know five-hour event, and we've done this uh, for multi-track conferences uh, with special effects and flying rockets and and flying whales and and you know Plato rising up from the from the ground. We can do all that. <laughs> uh, in fact, I can I can wow, put I, I put our headset onto everybody uh, in the audience. You know, I, during the, when the pandemic first came out, I put uh, virtual uh, protection suits, uh, personal protection gear onto everybody in the audience, you know, to, to really prove a point about, you know, the, the, the importance of, of safety and you know, education about the, the whole virus protection stuff. So it's um, uh, the, the technology is there, the software is there. It's actually quite uh, mature. Uh, if you, if you, you know, need an introduction, I'm happy to put you in touch with the people who would do that. Uh, in fact, I, I would think, you know, you might want to do some of your shows where you're actually, uh, doing the interview in that experience yeah. and, and then streaming out from that virtual space using kind of OBS. Uh, and that way, yeah, uh, we also have people who like to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to have an avatar based yeah. one because that way, because otherwise we just end up talking to a black screen, which isn't as cool. Yeah. So it'd be cool yeah. to be able to do that. You can do that. In fact, what you can also, if you want to do a, a hybrid model is that you can have them go into VR, stream their, uh, inside from, from their interface, go into a, 
uh, a Zoom meeting, use their avatar, but you're using your faces, and and they're able to track their movements. And all that is is, is available wow. available today. Love it. Love wow, it. that's cool. Yeah. In, in fact, just uh, last a couple weeks ago, I did an interview with a Chinese TV station where we did the whole interview in in our software, and then they they broadcast it as a. Um, uh, as a, a, you know, kind of a normal interview, but it was completely all 3D. So I just did it from, you know, my, my, my living room and, you know, they were a thousand miles away or 10,000 miles away in China. And so it, cool. it still, it still looked like we were together. Hey, I'm definitely wow. going to be trying this and definitely going to be uh, reaching out to you afterwards. Yeah. Uh, as we, as we move into uh, kind of the final segment, uh, it really comes back, get back to you. What are you What are you interested in today? What is you know kind of things that you're seeing super cool? And it can be games that that are available that you can already play with with the Vive, um, or just anything that you're excited for in in the Web three ecosystem. Um, so so I, I think the thing that I'm pretty excited I think about the future of the the metaverse intersection with Web three uh, is. The ability for for anybody to generate income without uh, leaving their home, right? And the ability for them to, uh, to for creators to really unleash their their creativity uh, and be recognized for it, and and have a have a market for it. Um, in fact, to to create uh, sustainable income, even for non creators, to to play a role uh, as a reality actor inside these virtual worlds, right? So, I mean, I mean, you guys are, I'm sure, very familiar with the whole Axie Infinity thing where, you know, they're essentially, you know, farming uh, goods and then reselling it. I feel like that's a temporary solution, right? Uh, and, and it's really, uh, the, the value being created is very limited. But what, what, if, what if we created a world where you have virtual classrooms and a teacher goes in and this could be a Nobel Prize winner teacher, puts on a headset and teaches a class of a million kids and then gets paid a penny per person to teach that class, right? I mean, they, they could make a lot more money that way uh, than, they, than they do today, you know, teaching a class of 50, you know, grad students. Um, and I agree. We, we, interview, we interviewed Gabby uh, a couple weeks ago, and he really did talk a lot about the future of, of play to earn and, um, you know, was, was very clear that uh, it, it's, it's not a matter of games over the long run. Yeah. And uh, also, if you look at uh, tutoring, right, right now, in particular in China, it's been a, a real issue where people are spend, paying $100 an hour for tutoring, for English, for math, for science, you know, so they can pass these tests. Um, and, you know, you get people who are spending an hour or something each way in traffic to get to a place to do a tutoring session for an hour, where if you put this on, you know, you're, you're next to them, you could do that tutoring and be able to tutor maybe multiple people at a time. Or and you have at least the minimum is you you re, you move all of the commute that you have in that 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 friction time, right? So um, and also if you do have a chance, read a book uh, called Diamond Age uh, by Neil Stevenson. Uh, I think he creates this con- uh, this this concept of actors, the reality actors, uh, where in the world in the future where we spend most of our time in a virtual world, uh, there's a lot of people that are just in there. Uh, you know, to be your guide, right? So if you're, if you're, let's say, you know, you're, uh, you're going to a, a, a formal event, you know, what do you do? And like, you bring in a person to, to guide you. They're, they're like a reality actor that, that gives you that, that, that they're like that side-by-side coach 
that can that can guide you through you know how do you you know talk to these business people or how do you uh, go through a pitch meeting or whatever right? and it could be somebody that's invisible to other people but is visible to you you know so it's uh i, I think i think there there's there's a lot of ways for people to to create income beyond just you know farming virtual goods yeah and especially in gaming too i mean if just npcs get replaced by like real actors yeah. like whatever i think that's you playing whatever fallout right yeah and instead of some like weird cutscene, right you actually have somebody who's like there and like there's like literally like four people acting the whole thing out for you like yep. it's going to be so much more interesting the dialogue it's going to be interactive exactly um so yeah that's uh, yeah that's going to be such a cool use case yeah, and, and, and for a lot of people who are, let's say, in, you know, third world countries or developing nations, I mean, for them, you know, getting a dollar an hour is a lot of money, right? So, so if, uh, if, if you can then, you know, create, uh, I guess a pool of work for people that, you know, if you, you're paying $5 an hour for this, you know, let's say an escape room, you know, uh, and you have a, a, a real guide there that's actually helping guide you through this escape room, you know, uh, that's actually kind of cool. And you're having a real conversation with a real person. They may be, you know, 10,000 miles away from you, but they feel real. And you felt like you actually had an escape room with your five, you know, all five of your friends could actually all be in the, at their homes. But you're, in fact, they already have something like this. There, there's a, a company, I can't remember the name now, but they, they essentially have this virtual escape room where real people are in there guiding you. And, uh, you know, you're, they're spending, I think, 40 or $50 for a 45 minute session. So it's, they're not cheap. But, uh, you know, having that real person, you know, if you go to a real escape room, you're probably paying that same, same kind of, you know, amount anyways. So, um, but then your cost goes down dramatically because you can source that person from anywhere. Cause, you know, for those kind of experiences, the, the, the human labor is actually the biggest cost for a lot of them, right? Uh, or if you're talking about, let's say, um, Sleep No More. I, I don't know if you guys have seen those uh, uh, kind of immersive theater, right? You go into a, a, a building, and inside the building, you know, half the people are actors, half the people are are audiences, and you you know you put on this mask, and you're you're the audience, and they know by the mask that you wear, and then the actors are just around you doing their life, doing their their scenes, and you can go into that scene anywhere, but they're real actors, you know, doing these things. So it's just that that's the kind of thing that I think would would be super um, uh, I guess interesting type of a use case for 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 these virtual actors uh, that then creates uh, a new a new uh, form of income a new career for people you know for people who can make it to Broadway <laughs> you could you could be a reality actor yeah and even then I mean it's just I mean just the idea like okay like the I, I feel like what it really does too is the, okay, right now, if you're saying, Hey, you can go through this video of whatever, like a street in Thailand, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of cool to walk through a pre-recorded video, right? But like, if the entire thing is like legit interactive, because all the people that are like in that street in Thailand are actually people, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes like a whole different thing, right? It's not just like, like it, that, because right, like all the VR stuff, like it's like, yeah, it's more of like, I mean, it's super cool to see it like around you, right? But it's still, it's just the form factor is different. The experience is basically the same thing, maybe a bit more immersive, but yeah. the interactivity of the ability to say, no, 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 everyone here is real. Yeah. If you want to talk about the most random thing, like they will like indulge you. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's so interesting to think about how, how that changes the entire, the entire experience. Right. And I think the play to earn side, especially with crypto, obviously just, I mean, it's just like such an interesting fit. 
So I think you're gonna you're gonna have a new concept called play to live instead of play to earn because I, I or, or or live live to earn. Sorry, live to earn because you're not playing just to to play games and create no value. You're actually going to be living your life as if you were in the real world, but you're living it as a performance for somebody else, and then you can actually make money living. And in fact, if you think about it from a, a really high level, what what do we do? We're actually playing a game of life that we're living to earn, <laughs> right? We we go to work to make money, to buy stuff, to 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 raise our kids, to 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 do travel, right? We're living to earn, and we're now we can but we can take that same concept and do it on a um, on a uh, virtual uh, platform. So so the, the, you know the 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 digital world is going to become more and more real. Uh, as we start getting not just from a perception perspective, but also from uh, a societal perspective, uh, as we progress into this, this next next age, it's interesting to think that AI is not actually the thing that's going to make that happen. It's literally just like no, no, we're just going to put real people in there. Like, forget about AI that's like smart enough to make it feel immersive. We're just going to hire real people. It's way easier for everyone. It's way more immersive. It's going to actually work much better too. And and I think it solves the real issue that we're going to have, which is uh, you know a labor uh, over <laughs> overabundance labor, right? How, what are you going to do with with this unemployment issue, right? Because as as AI takes over factories. As AI takes over transportation, we're going to have millions and millions of people who are out of work. What are they going to do, right? So I think our 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 life, uh, the amount of time, the, the type of activities we do are going to significantly change uh, as we transition into this this new age. Um, and the things that we value will actually be different. And in fact, there is one slide I, I want to share with you. You know, a lot of people say, "Hey, you know." The metaverse is is uh, is going to replace the internet. It's the next internet, right? Um, I actually see it it's a little bit differently. Essentially, what what I what I think is that it, the metaverse expands the internet, right? All the existing internet infrastructure behaviors will still be here for some amount of time, or quite an amount of time, right? But um, you know, instead of being vendor specific and using our IDs and profiles, we're going to go to universal IDs, universal avatars, right? And um, that also may be an area where, where NFTs will, will play a role. Uh, instead of going to websites and apps, we're going to go to virtual 3D worlds and experiences. Instead of watching, you know, videos and listening to audio and text, we're going to go into 3D everything, right? 3D spatial videos, 3D spatial worlds. Uh, instead of having short videos and live streaming, we're going to have, uh, live streaming where people are going to essentially stream their entire life experience uh, in a, a kind of flowing way uh, and having virtual idols be a lot of it instead of just real people. Instead of just consuming and rating people as the only activities we do right now on, on the internet, we're going to go in and be in, engaging in experiences. We're going to inhabit worlds. We're going to spend a real significant amount of time there. Uh, instead of just using PCs and tablets and phones, we're going to now add on VR and XR devices and classes. Although I think a lot of people are still, for the, in the midterm, will still use traditional 2D devices to access these 3D content. They will just be using it as we play video games today, 3D video games on 2D devices. Um, instead of using 2D screens and keyboards and mouse, we're going to go phone, phone natural interface, right? Being your, your hands, your eyes, your mouth, your, your body, your legs, you're going to be able to dance in, in, in these worlds, not just be able to move around and strut, right? Uh, instead of income models or, or our business models being just uh, ads and, and content, 
uh, sales and physical goods commerce, we're going to have virtual commerce and that, that live to earn concept I was talking about. And virtual commerce will be very, uh, I think, NFT uh, related. Uh, and then so just using fiat and in-game currency and designation of ownership, um, <clears throat> we will have universal wallets, universal currency and universal ownership that will be very related to what you guys you know, uh, probably are, are talking about on a daily basis. Now, again, which one of the uh, solutions will actually win out at the end, I don't think anybody knows, uh, but this technology will become increasingly important as we move increasingly into a, a virtual world uh, for our daily lives. Uh, and instead of going into independent apps and independent world gardens in terms of all the games and the, the websites and social networks, they're all independent world, gar world gardens world-walled gardens. We will have interconnected open worlds that you have to say one identity that you go into any world, just like you do in the real world. I can walk into any store and they're not, you know, they're all owned by different people, but I'm the same me. I can use the same same credit card and, you know, to, to buy goods with them and buy services with them, right? It will be the same way. And instead of collecting likes and followers to create our status, we will collect memories, friendships, as we do in the real world, we're gonna we're going to feel like we've done something. We're gonna feel like we we've been with somebody, right? And those are the things. It's the memories that you collect that really you remember at the end you know, of our of your life. And I'm I'm actually feeling uh, doing a lot of uh, thinking about this these days because I'm spending a lot of time with my dad right now with his uh, after his stroke. I'm kind of doing a lot of taking care of it. it. Makes me go back and think what's really important in life. And you know, having things is actually not that important, right? It's really, you know, the, 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 the relationships you've built and the memories you've had and, you know, the, the, the people you've affected. So I think those are the kind of things that you go to the, the third row is the in real life, you know, which things are actually more like the real life. Pretty much everything uh, on the metaverse side is going to be more like the real world is today than the Internet uh, is uh than the internet uh, kind of digital light that we have on the, 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 the today's internet, the internet. That's the more natural interaction. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So, so, so I, I think that the metaverse is making the digital more real, right? Even though it's more digital, it's, it's more virtual, but it's actually will our lives in this, in this metaverse will be more real uh, than anything we've had on the internet today on the web one or web 2.0. Um, and uh, it's going to bring us more and more like what we do in the, the physical world. So, so I wanted to share share this slide yeah. with you. No, I love that. Thank you. That's Thank so you interesting so too, because I I think one of the interesting problems with all this stuff is right. It's like really hard to imagine how it's going to turn out. And I think it's largely mostly because like you're like, well, I mean, traveling is clearly better than like real travel is clearly better than digital travel, right? But I think the I think what's so interesting about what you were just talking about is like, it's going to be all these use cases that aren't possible today, right? And maybe it's not, maybe you can still travel, right? That'll be the fun thing you do once a month, right? But the, oh, let's all travel to the moon, right? It's going to be these like other experiences and this new combination of how do you combine them into something that is truly unique and different. It's so hard to be like, oh, this is going to be awesome because of the things that don't exist yet. Like, it's so hard to think about, like, well, it's going to replace travel. It's obviously going to be worse than actual travel, so this is silly. Yeah. So it's easy to come to that wrong conclusion by not thinking about, like, yeah, what are the use cases we haven't thought of yet? 
so, so I, I think I, there's some point, a point I want to make on that is I think we're in the lucky kind of, you know, top 5% of the world where we can travel on a monthly basis. But I would think that, you know, 80% of the world are, are not able to do that. Maybe once a year, maybe even less. Maybe some of them have never been on a plane, right? A lot of people have never been on a plane. Half the world have never left more than 100 miles from where their, their homes. So um, what this enables is that everybody can travel. Now, they may not be getting that 100% experience that you're talking about if you go to the beach and you feel the water go between your toes or the sand you know, going between your toes. But they get to feel like, oh, I've gone to the beach. I've seen, I've heard the waves. I, I've seen other people there. You know, I, I, get to, I can do a virtual surfing, whatever, right? I can do a lot of the things I would have done. Maybe it's not as nice, uh, but it, it didn't cost me you know, $10,000, right? And it didn't, it didn't take me you know, three days of travel to get to this place to spend, you know, three days there, right? And it didn't, I didn't have to take a bunch of vaccines and, and shots and tests to go both sides and I didn't need to quarantine for 14 days, right? Those, those are the kind of things that, that um, you know, I think are going to be, uh, that, that, that's part of the, that's part of the perspective. I think we, we should also, you know, being YPOers, because I, I was a YPO for seven years, uh, you know, we're a very lucky, community, right? We're at a very lucky uh, time in our lives and an ability to, 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 to live certain things that a lot of people don't get a chance to. And most people, uh, you know, we should be also looking at how can, how can this kind of technology or how can what we're doing impact the, the other part of people who may be not as fortunate. Alvin, I, I absolutely love that statement, and we're going to go ahead and, and uh, uh, give you a gift on, on that. I, <laughs> you didn't really talk too much about NFTs, but you talked a little bit about them. Um, I, we, we, we have our own uh, community token that we do, and I'm going to let you pick uh, you know, whichever one you want. So <laughs> we have a variety of these things, and uh, they're actual 3D. So huh. you will be able to take this and put it right into uh, one of your metaverses and and see these massive whales swimming around. Right. Um, they they all have different skins. They you know again uh, same thing you said high quality, um, and and again tons and tons of them. Uh, do you, do you have a, a you can pick a number and I can randomly select one or you can pick a name and I'll. Pull uh, it if you just a blue one, and blue's my uh, kind of uh, navy type of blue is my favorite kind of color. So yeah, that looks great. Perfect. Well, we will get that over to you. Um, I thank you so much for your time today. And honestly, that was one of the most enlightening hardware, uh, you know, metaverse conversations that, that we've had. And, and I, I just have to say, I'm really excited and would love to uh, do this again, but in the metaverse. Uh, yeah, yeah, for host, sure. If you wouldn't let's, mind hosting us next time around. No problem. I'm happy to. Uh, let's, let's do that in, in one of those apps that I mentioned. And you know, just get yourself a, a Focus 3 or, or a Flow, and uh, we should be able to get in there and no problem. No, no, no. I, I, if you can't tell by the setup and everything else, it's going to be the, the Pro 2 with the with the lighthouses. <laughs> ah, you're going uh, full out. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no. There's We're not going to mess around with this if there's no reason. So Alvin, I'll, I'll get uh, the reasonable one to get the, the real experience. Well, there's not even more expensive, though. The Focus 3 is the same price as the Pro 2, right? Like uh, roughly. Yeah, roughly. Roughly. But, 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 but the, the difference is you don't have a PC. So with the, with the Pro 2, you need a, a GPU, high, high-end GPU PC. We got all these guys with mining. We'll just have to s- steal one out of one of their rigs and we'll be fine. Um, <laughs> all right. Good. Perfect. Well, so thanks thank again, you so guys. Much. Hold on for one second. And... This is awesome. Thanks. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck 
passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.